Welcome, everybody, to episode 14 of the NLF Insider Podcast. I'm Matt Chandick. I'm joined today by Daggett Morse and Mike Flanagan. Gentlemen, great to be back. What's up, fellas? Go orange. Daggett, that, the beard is looking full. It's, it's, it's looking great. It's, it's ready for fall. For those classic New England falls. Season. We're heading towards the cold weather. I'm ready to break out the flannels. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming along. I like it. I like it. It's a good look for you. It's not ready to commit and, yet, but you know, it's it's had an official visit. Any scholarship offers or what? It's not in the first wave. It's not that good. No, all right. No, that's fair enough. And Flano, most importantly, we talk about wagons a lot on this show, but is Q's football a wagon? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> we almost crapped the bet against Purdue. So But didn't though. But didn't, we you Purdue took 16 personal foul calls and somehow you were kicking off from like their 10. At one yeah. Point. It was great. I really appreciate that tight end who we couldn't stop all day deciding to just say F you to our whole bench and yeah, you know, I mean, listen, allow us to kick. Sometimes things get a little heated. It happens. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Um, we are right in the middle of recruiting season for the 2024s and the boys are flying off the board. We already have, as of this recording, I mean, things could change in the, in the time it takes to process this podcast, but um, as of this recording, we have eight of our top 10 players committed, um, and we have uh, 12 of the 21 five-stars committed. So guys are kind of moving at a pretty quick pace. Um, Matt Jeffries, is our number one player in the class. He'll actually be joining us later on the podcast. Committed to Notre Dame, Ben McCarthy. The number two player in the class is committed to Duke. Spencer Ford at three is committed to Maryland. Kyle Colsey just committed to UVA. He'll be playing with his brother, Ryan, there. And then um, number five is where you find our first uncommitted player in Luca DiBartolomeo and LSM from Malvern Prep and Brotherly Love. Um, Daggett, what kind of stands out to you in that top five? Any, anything in particular? We're also going to be joined by Spencer Ford. So we've got two of the top three players in the, in the country on this podcast. Well, first of all, you know, to your credit, clearly picking the right guys there, Matt. Well, pat, you know, pat yourself on the back. Don't throw your shoulder out doing it, but appreciate is that, that. Is that good? I've never yeah. heard of any of these schools, but it's not Westchester University of Pennsylvania where I went, commonly referred to as the Harvard of Chester County, but it'll do. But no, I, th- I think we're seeing what, you know, if you've poked around, you know, and, and kind of read into, you know, what a lot of D1 guys are saying, um, you know, the top end talent on this class measures up to every other class before it but maybe you know maybe there's a a bit of a curve afterwards where we haven't seen a lot of the middle class go yet because it's a bit of a drop after maybe the first 30 40 guys or so um which is what you'd expect um when when those d1 guys are saying that so i think that fits um we'll see the next wave come you know as we go through the 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 fall circuit you know through november guys need to take visits again do prospect days again um but it's going to be a busy fall for the next, you know, 60, 70 guys. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm really interested to see. I think it's actually going to go pretty hard probably until October 1 or maybe a little bit after that. Um, but I think you're going to see a lot of those top-end guys, you know, at least the the guys that we have in our infallible and, and always accurate rankings um, are going to be off the board pretty quick. I know a lot of guys are still taking visits, but I also did just say, you know, 12 of the 21 five-stars are committed. Um as I always say, not a math guy, but I think that leaves us with nine. So, you know, there's still a pretty good chunk of that, that elite 
the, the, the most elite group um, that's uncommitted. So really interested to kind of see where those guys go, especially um, if one can kind of bit of have a, a bit of a domino effect on, on other guys, but uh, I'd be remiss not to mention, I mean, UVA, Yowza, um, you know, their 23 class got a major upgrade when they were able to flip our number one, 23 McCabe Millen from uh, ACC arch rival Duke. And in that time span, they've since picked up four, four, 24, five stars. That seems like overkill. Um, we get it, guys. You're really good at this recruiting thing. Congrats. You don't need to flex every single day. But in order, number four, Kyle Colsey. Um, he's the most recent addition. Ryan Dunkel at number nine, I believe, was the first edition of the, of the class, uh, if not the second commitment for them. Sean Brown at 12. Um, and then Tommy Snyder, a 6'5 LSM from uh, St. Anthony's and uh, Long Island Express. LSM, D, whatever. I mean, you take the six five. As you know, Daggett, you've done this before with Lax Chooses. You take the really tall and big guy and you give him a pole and tell him to figure it out. You can figure out which position he plays at later. Why not? Why not build the whole defense out of giant tough guys who can run? Seems it's easy. a good it's a good plan. It's a good plan. Um, tell us a little bit about you know, kind of what's been popping off with Lax Chusets, a couple commits in the in the past day. I know. Your two big dogs as of this recording, Finn Fox and Jimmy Kenny, are the two five-stars from Lax Shusets are still on the board. Uh, what's going on in, in Boston? Yep, those two still on the board, taking visits, going through the process, loving it. Uh, we've had a couple. Uh, Nate Austin Johnson from Thayer uh, to Rutgers also today, just actually about an hour ago. Chris Cabral also from Thayer to Rutgers. Um, both guys played for Ben Rubior for the last couple of years, you know, Fairly, good, fairly dude. good player, I think it's fair to say back in the day, you know, he's okay. Yeah. So he's a, he's a little bit of a pipeline role in there. And then, um, you know, off a huge summer, Pierce McDonald, who's at, who's at Govs um, as a midfielder, you know, big summer as a passer and a scorer. Uh, he's going to UPenn. Um, so it's been a, you know, a pretty solid 24 hours and, you know, we'll see how those, those next couple guys go. We got some guys close, but you know, it's not done until it's done. Uh, I know, I know that you guys usually have three teams per age group, but haven't you led the country in college commitments like every year since the invention of time? It's like seventy commits um, a year, or something like that. There's me guessing on Massachusetts, folks. We're we're averaging about that, about two teams in age group generally, uh, occasionally a third. Um, in terms of double A, you know, guys. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, the goal is to leverage lacrosse into a school you otherwise wouldn't get into, whether it's division one, two, or three. Um, that's kind of what we preach A's and B's in the classroom, all that stuff. We're hardly the only program. All the other NLF guys preach the same thing. That's why, you know, all, you know, the group of us are also successful. Um, so you'll see, you know, especially from the founding, the original six, you know, go off the board so quickly because we're kind of all in lockstep, crush it in the classroom, kill it in the weight room, play well in the field. Obviously you're going to have a lot of great choices. So those are the guys going off the board early. It's no surprise. No, no surprise at all. And, you know, on, on the team 91 and cl club, I'm pretty familiar with um, similar to actually to you, you know, we have uh, two five-star defenders in Ben Fox from Chaminade and uh, Dante Verdero from St. Anthony's and a couple of good programs there. Uh, not, not bad. Maybe you've heard of them. Um, and as of this recording, they're both still uncommitted. So I know that they're looking at some pretty high academic school to your point, right? Hey, you got a question in the classroom, like, 
and and sometimes you're going to see kids are like hey you know we think he can play at this level but his grades aren't at this level and it's going to disqualify him so um, if you take care of your academics everything else is going to kind of fall in the, in the line for you because it's a lot easier for coaches to be able to like hey look this kid's got a you know three nine at this sick academic school so um, but yeah interested to kind of see with uh what happens with Fox and Bordero just had a couple commits on the, uh, an attack with Luke Breslin and St. Anthony's attackman uh, committed to Lehigh coach Cassis has done a, a great job of recruiting Long Island where he's from and uh, always comes back, tries to get a couple guys um, Hopkins coming in with a, with a big commitment from our um, number 69 overall player, Ben Morris, an attackman from Bayport blue point who scored about 6 billion goals this summer. So um, dudes are flying off the board. Pat Flaherty uh, just committed to Navy today. He's one of three Wolfpack middies to commit to uh, Navy. So Coach Amplo locking down all the younger brothers. Good, good recruiting there. And then uh, from the leading edge perspective, I mean, you know, leading edge started its class with Cornell and Harvard. Are those good schools? Uh, Cornell, ever heard of it? <laughs> and then, yep. you know. Never heard of Harvard. Never heard of it. <laughs> no, I know you haven't. So your beloved Krim picked up uh, Graham Stevens, our number one goalie in the class. Uh, he had uh, he was a, a point of contention for some Ivy schools, and then Michael Marshall ended up going to Cornell. Luke Jammin is a is a twenty three who's going to PG become a twenty four, a number one hundred five prospect committed to UVA. In keeping with the UVA theme, Daggett, in keeping with the Massachusetts theme that we mentioned, I believe Luke is 6'3", 190, and a lefty. You think he could work oh. with that at some point? Oh, I'm trying to talk dirty to me. <laughs> you you need a minute, pal? You can work with that. Are you fanning yourself over there? Is that what's going on? Are you spraying yourself with a mist bottle? I need to open a window. I need to open a window. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's been interesting to kind of see the guys kind of flying off the board and, and, and heading in, in different Um you know, one thing I'm always curious about is, is the goalie market, but it's been interesting because um, the top three goalies, the, the three five-star goalies that we had in Stevens, um, <clears throat> excuse me, number 11, Tade Wynn out of the West Coast Stars who committed to Army way back in July, and Ben Friedman from Primetime, Coach Daniello pumping out another, uh, you know, good one at number 21, committed to Yale. None of those, you know, take up scholarship money. What's it like, like, Taggy, you've done this before, like, what's it like? With the, with the goalie market, how difficult is it, do you think, for goalies, especially most schools are only taking one per class? And then when, when none of those goalies are really taking, you know, those top three are taking up scholarship money, what do you kind of see there? Well, it's hard because it goes so quick. And obviously everyone's pointed at, you know, your top tens, Ivy, and then NESCAC, obviously. And it's almost like it's almost like sitting on the back end of a fantasy draft. The first couple go, and now there's a run on them, and everyone's trying to get theirs. Um and you're, you're just kind of, you're hoping your guy has a seat when the music stops. Uh, and the, hey, this class is just like the one before the, the goalies are deep. And so you, you hope they all have, have the right home, you know, by, by the end of it, cause they can all play, but it's so stressful goalies and Fogos where they're taking one a class tops. And there's been schools in the last year or two or just said, you know, with the COVID, the end of the fifth years, all that stuff, we're not taking a goalie. We're not taking a Fogo, um, which, which is crossing schools off the board that otherwise might take one. So it can be incredibly sure. stressful for those guys. Yeah, and switching gears a little bit, one school I meant to touch on too, they haven't gotten a ton of commits because I think it's going to be a bit of a smaller class, but um, at Syracuse, you know, picked up a pair of top 30 prospects, um, including number six overall, Peyton Anderson, an attack mid from primetime. He's about 6'2", 200-pound lefty. 
And, um, and then one of the better defensive prospects as well in team 91's Vincent Bolognino an LSM slash defenseman from Harbor fields on Long Island. Um, you know, what are you kind of seeing out of Q's there? Like obviously smaller class, but you know, how, how tough is it do you think for those schools to, and they have to be extra judi- judicious, excuse me, when, you know, figuring out who, who they're going to take. Yeah. Well, you know, Q's has been pretty clear since the, since the changeover, they're not giving out 80 shirts anymore. So their classes are a little bit smaller. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not the late 90s. Guys aren't necessarily only looking at cues. There's a lot of other options. So they've, they've had to be a little bit more aggressive than maybe in years past where not everyone's going to come to you. Um, and the players they have gone after are obviously excellent, um, you know, starting with the last couple of classes and obviously into this one. I think I and everybody else agree that college lacrosse is better when Syracuse is excellent. Um, it's at least more interesting. So we're all kind of waiting to see. And by the way, can we just talk about the absolute flex by Duke to like go a little bit slower than I would say just about everyone, at least their competitors. And then all of a sudden on one day, they're like, Hey, here's a pair of top 10 prospects. They're ours. Now we're, we're the captain now. Like you got, I mean, they took, they got Ben McCarthy, the number two player in the class face off from Hadford school in Philly city of champions. And uh, Luke Hublitz, the massive defenseman from Eclipse and Brunswick. Shout out Brunswick. We love the Bruins. This is a very bro, pro Bruins podcast. Um, who didn't play this summer, but started at Brunswick as a sophomore, which you got to be pretty good if you're going to do that. Um, and then to come in and, and have those two guys start off your class. I mean, your thoughts on uh, 10 stars one day. Is that a good strategy? I mean, let's not pretend that they went ever, anywhere. They're, they're one year removed from having back-to-back number ones commit to them. You yeah, know, and yeah, is is that good? <laughs> I feel like that's good. Uh, you know, Duke, Duke is Duke. You know, you know the the culture is outstanding. You know they're going to be there basically every year, and the academics are phenomenal. So I mean, what else do you want? Um, so they have the ability to kind of lay in the tall grass and then go pick their spots, which you know I, I would assume is a real bummer. You know, if you're coaching at a rival school. You know, it's funny. I've, I've talked to a, a couple coaches from other schools and I asked like, who's the school that makes you go, oh crap. Like these guys are involved in their recruitment now. And to a man, it's without a doubt. Everybody just goes, oh yeah, it's Duke. It's, it's just crazy. Like the kind of the gravitas that they have, just the, I guess the aura, even, you know, against some of the, the other major schools, um, you know, everybody knows that if Duke shows up to the recruitment, you're in, you're in for a heck of a battle. Um, just found it was kind of interesting. Just the, you know, some teams are, are pretty worried about seeing that blue devil pop into the recruitment. So the other, um, and, and it's also interesting to kind of see certain teams or, you know, certain schools kind of focus on one position area, you know, like you'll see, um, you know, some of the attack talent that we talked about, like UVA has got, got the, the market cornered on, on dynamic attackmen right about now. Um, one of the things I think that Notre Dame has done really well has been, go after midfielders in this class. I mean, they got Matt Jeffrey, our guest, and, and our number one player in the class. Um, they also picked up Joey Bambrick from the West Coast Stars, who is our number 51 dude. Another just, you know, 6'3", 205-pounder, gets rolling downhill. We like those middies, right? And, um, you know, as of, uh, as of this recording, it sounds like they've got a couple more lines in the water. Um, in terms of the midfield. So wouldn't be surprised to see them land another commitment or two. So 
I think it's been a, a big point of emphasis for Coach Corrigan and, and his staff and Coach Wellner. Um, you know, it's just kind of interesting to me anyway to, to kind of see like where guys focus. I know like last year, Notre Dame, you know, went hard on the defense. And this year they're going hard on the midfield. And, um, you know, what, what do you think of that strategy? Just like picking one position every every year? Do you, do you think it's more than just, hey, this is kind of what works out? Like what, what have you seen in your time? Well, we know the attack will always set the market. And obviously we love, you know, going after midfielders. The game's got a little bit more two-way. And it hurts me as a D guy to say, but, you know, you can't win if you don't score. Um, Generally so we've important. Seen we've seen that switch over the last 15 or so years for Notre Dame, you know, way, way more on the offensive end, playing faster, trying to score more goals while also playing, you know, the excellent defense they're known for. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they're, you know, you try and build a strong core in a certain class. Why not? grab a bunch of guys who want to play together who are all excellent and hopefully you got them for four straight years. I get it. You know, it makes conceptual sense to me anyway. Good thinking. Smart. Yeah, I try. It hurt a little bit. Speaking of hurt a little bit, how, how tough was it to have to relive that performance that Matt Jeffrey put on you at NLF in talking to him, especially like seeing the videos that we posted and stuff like it's gotta be tough. I mean, if I were the defensive coordinator for that team, for example, I'd, I'd probably be, you know, scratching my, you know, well-developed beard at that point. Have you, have you seen Rambo where he just goes nuts and goes out in the woods with the, with the bandana? That's about where we're at. <laughs> I didn't draw first blood. He did. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So Matt Jeffrey's a pretty good player. I don't think there's too much shame in getting beat by that guy, but uh, actually that was, we talked a bit about it with him, but that, that was one of the best games of the summer. I mean, went to overtime. There, there had to have been what? 50, 60 college, college coaches on that sideline during that game? Field, field was ringed with them. They were into the game, too. Um, and that's due to the kids diving for ground balls, even in the first quarter, selling out hard. Um, the, the coaches raved the rest of the weekend about, you know, that was the best game of the weekend. Um, so even though we ended up losing in overtime, it's hard to be upset about it because the goal is to, you know, send guys to the right school. That, that game did it for both programs. I mean, us and Eclipse. I mean, um, so props to, props to the guys on both benches for, you know, bringing the energy, you know, making it that high and having a great game. I mean, um, you think about it, it from that game, there's probably going to be, I mean, by the time everyone's said and done, there's probably going to be what seven or eight ACC commits, four or five so, Ivy guys, you know, a couple more big 10 guys, like, and, and all told, if you, if you tally up those rosters in two years from that game, there's probably going to have been 40 to 45 high level college players. Yeah, it might be less just because the benches were smaller, but that's yeah, true. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, guys get a little was, banged up, but, but that was yeah. packed. And, and it, was, it, it was, was packed. Unbelievable. It's almost like this NLF event's pretty good, one would think. Gonna play against the best. I mean, I don't know why you would go to a, you know, a second tier event elsewhere and just to go six and zero and score eighty goals and give up four. But you know, there, there weren't eighty Division One coaches jumping out of their chairs and um, trying to make calls for the officials because they were getting into it. Well, to be fair, the officials do need a lot of help sometimes, you know, a devastating loss in the uh, Iceworks Summer League Championship last night, by the way, some some very questionable refereeing. So I'm just a little triggered at the word ref right now. Sounds like excuses to me. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm not a blame the refs guy, but like anybody who would watch that game might be a blame the ref guy, you know, but I, that's not me. I'm That's not who I am. Um, but anyway, enough of that. And now we're going to kick it over to our interview with the number three player in the class of 2024, Spencer Ford, an attackman from Boys Latin and the Crabs. 
staying home to play for Coach Tillman at Maryland. And we're thrilled to be welcomed on the NLF Insider Podcast by the number three prospect in the class of 2024, an attackman from Boys Latin and the Crabs, and a brand new commitment to Coach Tillman's defending champion, University of Maryland Terrapins, Spencer Ford. Spence, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. We're, we're pumped for you. Um, you know, first thing, obviously, congratulations on the commitment. I know you were looking at a couple other schools that were pretty local. Um, and I'm sure you had a lot of interest from just about everywhere when you're, you know, one of the top attackmen in the country. Um, what was it like, you know, what was your process like and what made you want to stay home at Maryland? The process was very stressful. I didn't really have a break on September 1st from calls and dinners and meetings and stuff, but then it started to slow down like a week into it. Um, I realized that I didn't want to go out. I wanted my parents and family to watch my games and I just wanted to be close to home so they can come visit whenever they want. So I felt like Maryland was the best fit for me. When I visited there, it just felt like home. Talking to you and your, and, your, and your dad about, you know, throughout the whole process, it kind of seemed though like you, you know, there were some times you were feeling some other schools and, you know, looking to kind of maybe waffle back and forth a little bit. Was Maryland kind of just always a constant for you? Or did you just kind of realize later on, like, hey, you know, this is the place for me, obviously an unbelievable program, great coach. Um, this, this is where I want to be. I realized later on, um, that that's where I want to be. I went there last Wednesday and Thursday for my official and just like it clicked that the guys were awesome. The facilities were awesome. The campus was awesome. Um, so I just decided to choose Maryland. What was it? You mentioned it was, it was a bit of a stressful process. I mean, what's the toughest part? Is it just kind of right away on September one, knowing that you're going to get a lot of interest, but like, I'm sure it's overwhelming once it actually starts happening or, you know, what was that toughest part of the process for you? Saying no to all these coaches. Um, it's just hard to go or to talk to the coach and then be like, say that you're not interested in them. It's like the hardest part for me. Did it get a little easier after you told a few coaches no, or was it still like kind of tough kind of throughout? Kind of, but it was still kind of tough throughout all the calls. It doesn't get any easier, Spencer. I'm 30 years old, and I still have a hard time saying no to Matt whenever he asks me to work for him. So, you know. I don't have a hard time with that. If you're wondering, I say no all the time. <laughs> we've, we've noticed. Yeah, we've noticed. Yeah, um, so, Spencer. so starting, starting your process, obviously, most years, your kind of top-tier attackment kind of set the market almost coming out of September 1. So I'm sure you had a little bit of an idea coming in that you might be a part of that kind of hot commodity so what was it like getting you know that much attention right off the jump I thought it was awesome just like being in the game since I was born pretty much um to see how like my work has paid off to see all the co college coaches text and call I just thought it was pretty cool we're staying up for midnight kind of yeah I got home after elite eight at eleven fifty. took a shower and then checked my phone it was like going crazy is it overwhelming a little bit? I mean, even though you probably had a decent amount of like, or a decent idea as to like where you might want to go to school, maybe like an eight to 10 schools type of thing. Like when all these schools are reaching out to you and, you know, maybe some you didn't even expect, like take me through that. What, what's that like? Surreal almost or what? Yeah, kind of. Um, like some schools and coaches, I was talking to my dad. He's never even heard of the coaches. Um, and it was just cool to see them reach out and like, that they're interested in me. You mentioned your dad, and obviously he's a former pro and, and your Crabs coach. 
Um, what's it like playing for him, especially, you know, going through this process with him and, and not just, Hey, that's my dad, but this guy also maybe knows a little bit of what he's talking about. Not too much. Cause we don't, you know, we don't need to blow him up too much, but um, you know, what was that like for you? Um, so playing for him, it's kind of, it's probably the best thing ever because me and him play similar. Um, so when he yells at me, I understand that like he's saying the right thing, but I don't want to, like agree with him um I always want to be right but like he has the same intention of being right um and then just him being in the game and being like pretty popular in the game um he was probably my biggest help throughout everything yeah I mean that had to have have played a significant role just in in knowing how to handle the coaches and how to talk to them like tell us a little bit about that like what did he kind of tell you hey coming in this is what you're gonna you know this is what you're probably what you're gonna see this is what I'm hearing um, you know, what was it like to kind of have a bit of a, a guiding hand in, in that regard? He just told me to be respectful um, and just like stay no to the schools that you don't, that you're not interested in, but then like, but still be respectful and then like talk to the schools that you are interested in. Um, and him having a great relationship with all these coaches, um, I didn't want to put a bad rep on him. So, I just like kind of was respectful to everyone. I didn't say no at first because it was hard, but then I realized that it was too much on my plate. So I had to start saying no. You know, switching gears back to your game. Um, we've seen you play a lot over the past year and change and, you know, it constantly been productive, but you knew some of the stuff that you had to work on and, and early on, you know, you weren't quite in that, in that top five range that you're in now, but you've consistently gotten better and improved your game. Like, what went into it? What did you kind of identify as like, hey, these are my weaknesses. I'd like to work on X, Y, and Z. Um, and how were you able to kind of get better and, and, you know, diversify your game and round your game out the way that you have? So at BL, I was, I was unsure if I was going to start or even play as a sophomore. And then I just found a new way to increase my game. And that's off ball with Dominic being the main ball carrier, I learned to like play off him and play off every like play on our team um, and just find the open space and like how to shoot it like from every angle. And then with crabs, I just try to slow the game down because I'm not that fast. I'm not the fastest on the field, so I can't Same. beat a man. Um, <laughs> I can't beat a man and like destroy him and then get to five and five and finish. So I try and like read the next play before the defender even knows what's happening and then just beat them there. So speak, speaking of being at BL, uh, as, as part of the research, I didn't know this going in. Um, is, it, uh, is it weird playing against the old man who's the OC at uh, Archbishop Spalding? Um, I was very nervous going to that game. He got in my head. Uh, I was of course he did. Bed. But like he's a, he can get into anyone's head easily. So he got into mine. He was looking like he was coming straight for me. So I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't look on purpose because I wanted to ask the question. So who who won the matchup last year? We did, but out of us two, he probably did. All right, yeah. so your your team won, but you know. Yeah, BL won nine, but then my dad beat me in like the mental game. We didn't talk, to be honest. Ooh. Uh, I guess it was a couple days. We talked and got like back on the same page. That's pretty cool. Must have been a good hug after the game, either way, though. No, nah, he was pissed. 
He doesn't do well with losing. So nope. <laughs> he he Belichicked you. He walked right off the field. Kind of, yeah. Speaking of BL, though, tell us about this this upcoming year. I mean, I know you've got a you know I, I know you guys lose Dom and a couple other really important players like Carden Stoller, but it's BL, so you guys always reload. And I know you've got some really good impact transfers coming in, Parker Hoffman from Eclipse and uh, Liam White in the midfield. You know what what can we expect out of this team? And and I know tough. Uh, you know, tough ending to last year. So I'm sure it's motivated you guys a bit. I think we're going to be the same team as last year, maybe even better. Um, I feel like we have a good set of leaders. We have the new guys coming in. Um, Liam White, Parker Hoffman, who will get off the ball anytime he wants. Um, and then we just all have great chemistry. So, um, which is probably the biggest thing for a team to be good. How tough is it to play in that league? I mean, you know, you mentioned it was 9-8 against Spalding, and it seems like a lot of those games, those those top six, seven, eight playoff team, or, you know, those top six, seven, eight teams, um, including the six playoff teams, are all, like, really close one, two-goal games. Like, how difficult is it to go every, you know, every, what is it, Tuesday and Friday, you know, going against the, some of the best teams in the country? It's pretty difficult. Um, like, just getting beat up and then having the close games that there are. It's probably the most fun league to play in, but like the hardest to win because everyone's good. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, so you just got to come out thinking that you're going to win and then play hard. I know everybody's good, but is there one team in particular that you get up for more, more than others? I'm sure you're going to get one a little St. revenge Paul's. on McDonough. St. Paul's? St. Paul's and McDonough, yep. Why those Just St. Paul's being right. Uh, St. Paul's is right up the street. It's two minutes away from us. And then McDonough, we play them every year in the playoffs. It's like back and forth. And then with what happened last year. And on that note, we'd like to thank Spencer Ford once again for joining us on the podcast tonight. Uh, really uh, in-depth stuff from one of the best attackmen in the class, one of the best players in the class. So, Spence, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, good luck at uh, BL this spring, and you know, congrats again on the commitment. Thank you. And now we're going to kick it over to our interview with number one player in the 2024 class, Matt Jeffrey from Cheshire in Connecticut and Eclipse. It is a great pleasure to be joined by the top prospect in the entire class of 2024, a lefty midi from Cheshire, Connecticut, public school represent, as well as the powerhouse wagon of a 24 Eclipse team, Matt Jeffrey, and a recent commit to Notre Dame. Uh, congratulations on the commitment, Matt, and um, thanks for joining us. Of course, it's a it's a pleasure being on with you guys. First of all, go Irish. Um, what made you choose Notre Dame? I know when we spoke for your number one story um, that you had said, you know, you were very interested in Notre Dame. That was probably your leader so much so that you felt comfortable, like putting it out there. But um, why Notre Dame? You know, it's an unbelievable school, but I'm sure you had everybody in the, in the country coming after you. What kind of set it apart? Um, so I'll take it back to seventh grade. Um, me and my... Oh. One of my close friends in middle school went to a uh, NFL football game and it was a crazy environment and like the whole student body came together and everything. And I just saw it differently at Notre Dame. And ever since then, Notre Dame's always been my dream school to go to. And after that, um, I started getting into history about it and everything. And um, all, all my family members is dream school is Notre Dame. And unfortunately none of them were able to get in, but I was lucky enough to be the first one. 
that's pretty awesome. Um, but you know, for, for you to kind of pick that in seventh grade and then have to go through it a couple, you know, with your recruiting a couple years later, um, you know, how difficult was it to, to just choose Notre Dame or, you know, I mean, better question is how difficult was it to turn down everybody else? Um, also starting from September 1st and through that week, um, it was probably the most overwhelming time for me. Um, I had football, I had schoolwork that I had to get done and everything. And it's just a lot of, a lot of great schools coming at me and it's, it's an opportunity that everyone wants. And, um, the most, like the hardest, um, part for me was turning down all those schools that really wanted me and everything. And that was really my struggle. And I stressed about that. I overwhelmed about that a lot during that week. And I kind of like pushed everything to the side and, um, Walner and Corgan came Friday, the day after to my house. And it was that moment that I knew that they were committed and they really wanted me. And that moment I knew it was like, here's where my future is going. And I tried to push turning down all those coaches as much as possible, but I got to a point where um, people found it disrespectful and everything. So that was a big overwhelming of me. And it, it, it was a hard time, but I eventually got through it. What was uh what was the coach's reaction when you told him that you wanted to come to Notre Dame? Um, well, so in, I went to a prospect day during the summer. Um, unfortunately, I was hurt at the end of the summer, and I, I I had a struggle with my quad, so I didn't play. But I went down to Notre Dame just to meet the coaches, meet the guys there, and everything. And they kind of knew how much interested I was already coming out to a prospect day, even though I can't play and everything. And uh, we had spoken a couple words and everything, and it was at that moment that they knew I was committed, and I knew they were committed. So the other thing I'm curious about, I, I know, and and you're you're a throwback in a lot of ways, um, and one of them is that you're like a true three sport athlete. You don't do a ton of like the year round lacrosse stuff like a lot of the guys do, which is great. Um, and you're starting quarterback and starting point guard at Cheshire, and obviously their their best player uh, for lacrosse. How different, you know, has that been for you as opposed to maybe some of your friends' experiences? And, um, you know, part, part of it too, like, did you kind of want to make a bit of a quicker decision in order to just be able to focus on football, especially with you being the quarterback? Yeah, well, especially like being a three-sport athlete, like I never really have an off-season that I can really focus on the cross or anything. So I use my spring and my summer to grind it out, really focus on that sport and everything. And so when September 1st came, I already had my mind on it obviously. And, um, I knew where I was projected to go. It's just that I want to hear everything out and I wanted to take it in like without having any problems with it and everything. And I wanted to commit somewhat early just because football is a really big thing here. And we really stress about football and like the commitment to football here at Cheshire and everything. And I respect that to the coaches and everything. And I'm really committed to football and I'm really committed to basketball. So I wanted to get my commitment process out of the way so I can focus on my schoolwork, um, getting better grades, becoming a um, first team, all class quarterback and everything too, and just keep earning those achievements over and over, just like my brother did. And that's kind of how I look at things. So you, um, so you mentioned, you know, projections, you know, where you were quote unquote supposed to go. Mm. And obviously a lot of that's noise and stuff, but you jumped from, you know, 35 the year before up to, up to one, you know, climbed all the way to the top of the podium. Um, 
so did anything change for you playing wise? Do you just feel more comfortable? You know, what, you know, what, what was part of making that jump up that many spots over, you know, other very talented players to a spot you truly deserve, you mm-hmm. know, at number one. Yeah. Well, so well, a, a part of it real quick is that I'm probably just an idiot and ranked him too low, but, but go on, you can take the next one. Well, obviously like um, being number 35 in the country is still a great achievement. And um, it's like something everyone wants, especially like coming from a small town, like no one really has the opportunity that I have. So how I looked at it is, is that it's a great achievement. It's not like I had the big ego that I needed to be number one or anything. So going into that summer, I was like, I'm just going to play how I played before. And um, um, my freshman year, I had a broken femur throughout my whole spring season. And I came into the summer, like with no strength or anything in my left leg. And that probably could have hurt me playing throughout the summer, but I, I didn't let it stop me. I still grinded through and everything. And um, even like now being number one in the country, like I'm st- it's still not going to affect my ego. It's still not going to affect how confident I am because I'm always a confident person. I always think I'm the best at what I do and everything. And I'm not really going to change who I am just because of this, all like the number one recruiting and like all of this social media stuff. I'm true to who I am and I'm going to, be true to my morals and my beliefs and everything. So but before I ask you a question about being number one, how in the world did you break your femur? Um, I was actually playing. It was my, it was the second game of my freshman year and I was coming down I was sweeping across the middle to my left hand. Like I was doing, it's my favorite move. And um, a slide came from adjacent and I shot and he clipped my leg and my left leg was planted while shooting. And it like kind of buckled and it just, it didn't fully snap or anything. It was just a good fracture, but unfortunately, or gratefully I didn't need surgery or anything on it too. So. Cool. Yeah. Mother of God. So as you now, you know, you know, coming through, you obviously your mid football season, you're going to hit basketball where eventually we heading towards, you know, like a freight train to the spring. And then, you know, you'll, you'll be hitting that you know, that last summer with the last, you know, NLF championship looms as a guy wearing the crown um, as the number one, is that going to be different for you? You know, how, how does that go, you know, come to the spring season? Cause you know, you're going to hear about it. Yeah, well, definitely. Like I'm going to be the biggest target on everyone's radar and there's probably a lot of people unhappy with the decision and everything. So there's going to be a lot of anger towards me and everything, which is respectable, but I'm, I'm going to be true to who I am. I'm going to play like I play. I'm going to open up everything for my teammates and everything too. I'm not just going to play selfish now because I'm the number one ranked player in the class. I'm just going to play how I always play. Notre Dame has been building a pretty impressive class, um, you know, with you kind of the, the center, you know, the centerpiece, the, the crown jewel. Um, as we're recording this, they also just picked up a commitment from lefty attackman Luke Miller from the Annapolis Hawks and McDonough. Uh, what have you kind of seen out of this class so far? And, you know, what are you kind of expecting? So, uh, you know, in the near future? Um, yeah, so we're picking up a lot of guys right now, uh, great lacrosse players and everything. And um, it's going to build a lot of friendships. It's going to build a lot of relationships going into this summer and playing against those guys and really learning about those guys. And um, we have a great recruiting class going on right now. And I've been speaking to Corrigan. I've been speaking to Wellner about it and everything. And we're very excited uh about this recruiting class that's coming in and throughout the future, like we all want to play. So we're all going to grind. We're all going to do our own things. And um, it's just going to lead us up to 
game time. And also, you know, you, we just we just heard that your your Eclipse teammate Brady Picorni committed to Notre Dame as well. You've been playing with him for a long time. What's it like to have him in the fold? Pretty good um, goal scorer. You know, it's great. It's a we um, over the summer this year we had a dynamic lefty. We um, we pl- we played a lot of two man games and we really understand each other's games and um, it's great to be playing with a future Notre Dame commit as well and um, leading in to going into our future, you know, we already have that chemistry and everything, and it's just going to keep having us have a better relationship throughout the years of our high school days. While we're talking about that Eclipse team, you know, so many guys have, have flown off the board already. I mean, Colsey just committed to to Virginia, and Luke Hublet's committed to Duke. I'm sure Hudson Houseman won't be far behind, a couple of your other teammates. What's it been like seeing all those guys pick these incredible schools, guys that you've grown up with, and um, what are you kind of seeing for that last year together with Eclipse? Um, I mean, it's it's remarkable, you know, growing up since third grade, playing with all these guys, we all had our dreams to go to our favorite schools and everything. And, you know, I'm very honored to play with them and I'm very happy and like I'm grateful for what these guys done for me. And I'm I'm happy for them and what they what they accomplished in their goals and everything. And I'm, I'm really like happy that they're achieving what they want to achieve in life and going to their dream school and everything. So playing for Eclipse, I, I have to ask. I can't let you go. Playing for the Big Bear, Jamie Hanford. D- do, you have, do you have one good story you can share with us that that's not going to get you in trouble, maybe? You keep your PG, please. All, off the top of my head, I got nothing, but there's there's a lot of funny jokes that we always talk about during the tournaments and stuff, and he he, he is a different type of guy. He's, he's got no filter, and that's something I love about him, and He's, he, he gets on you a lot and everything, and but at the end of the day, he loves you. He'll help you without through anything. He'll fight for you. And one final question for you, Matt. Uh, I'm very curious about Cheshire football, 2-0, outscoring teams 65-7. to Begs the question, is Cheshire a wagon? Um, as of right now, we're powerhouse right now. Um, we're jumping up on the radar. And uh, what I like about our coaches here is that even though we scored 30 points or 30, we shut out teams and we do all this kind of stuff. There's always room for improvement and they'll still get on you. Um, there's always something that you've done wrong. And that's something I like about a coach because there's always something that you can work on. And so like this week we're, we're preparing for Conard and watching our film from last week, we didn't do too well, even though we put points on the board. Um, there's always stuff that we need to work on and everything. And we're, a very confident team and we like to play with our confidence and um, we just like to roll. What is your favorite play in the Cheshire playbook or what's your favorite route to throw? Is it just a straight up nine route? Are you a wheel guy? I'm a huge wheel guy. So I'm a big sprint out pass guy. That gives me the yeah, option. Makes sense. You're fast. Pass. Yeah. But usually when I sprint out, I don't really pass. I just run. Smart. Well, you just gave it away to total the defense. Are you righty or lefty quarterback? I'm a righty quarterback. All right. All right, so that's good. What about what about when you do throw though? Like, what's what's your go to route? My go to route is probably a good hitch, like a good yeah. six yard hitch. Yeah, it's, get the it's, it's light. It gets six yards. It's, there's no there's no read. You just throw it right when they break, and it's fundamental. Right. And and if you if your guy breaks a tackle, then you get to pad your stats a little bit. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Also, my go to is the swing route to the tailback. Send them on four four verticals and just oh, wait three man, seconds. Talking my language. Throw the little pocket. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Chandler wanted that. to hear, he wanted to hear slant wheel. 
I mean, if you, if you, if I mean, I am a bit, I'm I'm more of a dig wheel guy myself because I think the dig dig just clears out everything. I'm more of a special kind of guy catching the ball in the end zone. See, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. That's why you're number one, Matt. See, both these guys are Patriots fans, so you should bring up Philly special as much as you possibly can. I'm a big birds guy who are two and oh, by the way. They're wacky. What, well. what are you? Are you Patriots yeah, giants your, from Connecticut? No, I'm, a your squad. I'm a Giants fan because my, oh, my family Jesus. grew up. My family grew up in upstate New York, so it's right. really where it's either the Bills or or the Giants. They, they, you should probably they, take uh, the Bills at this point. <sighs> back in the day, now, but <laughs> yeah, good call. Back in the day, it was definitely the Giants. Powerhouse, the Giants, but now definitely I might have to switch. Didn't the Giants play the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl a couple times? No, they yeah, didn't. They no one remembers. I don't think anyone remembers that. So I think the Eagles played the Patriots too in the Super Bowl recently in Upstate. Um, the um, you know, like near the Rochester area, like the Finger Watch Vegas, love Rochester. Okay. Vegas. Yeah. And thank you very much to Matt Jeffrey, the recent Notre Dame commit and the number one player in the 2024 class, uh, for joining us on the podcast. A uh, very intriguing three-sport athlete. Don't see too many of those anymore. And uh, who is very good at all three sports, too. That's even rarer. So thanks again for joining us. I know you got other things to go back and and worry about. uh, But good luck with the football season and everything moving forward, Matt. Thank you guys so much. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much to both Matt Jeffrey and Spencer Ford for joining us on the LF Insider Podcast this week. Great to get an insight on their recruitment. Um, and what it's like to be one of the most highly sought after players in the class. Excited to see where the rest of the class ends up. And I'm sure we'll be talking to everybody soon. Don't stop. Might be coming down for sure, Shad.